Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Second Kings 23. Hallelujah. I'm going to start reading with verse number 16. Verse number 16 this evening. And I will be mindful of your time. I have no expectation of being long. Second Kings 23 and verse number 16. The Bible states these words. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them up on the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord which the man of God can everybody say that with me the man of God proclaimed who proclaimed these words then he said what title is that that I see and the men of the city told him It is the sepulcher of, can you with me again? The man of God, which came from Judah. Proclaim these things that thou hast done against the altar at Bethel. Verse 18, and he said, let him alone. Let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. Tonight, I want to minister the man of God. This is by no means trying to be a feather your nest sermon. I'm just preaching the counsel, the word of the Lord. But this is what I wish to to preach. I feel like preaching here tonight. The man of God. Amen. This is a conglomeration of things that I've read this week, stuff that goes back years ago from thoughts that I've incorporated here this evening. Amen. And we're going to pray that the Holy Ghost will help us the next little while. How many believe you need a man of God in your life? You need a man of God in your life, and that is vital and important. Father, I come to you this evening. I need you, Jesus, here today. I pray, God, for acceptable words here tonight. God, write words. I pray, Jesus, this evening, God, to be able to express, Lord, not what I say, but what your word says. God, what heaven, Lord Jesus, God, displays and puts on display, God, for us in our lives. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, let it find a place, Lord, of, of lodging, God, in every one of our lives. I pray, oh, Lord, we need your Holy Ghost. We need your spirit here tonight, God, to come through, Lord, through the ministering of your word. We need a touch and outpouring of your anointing, God, upon everything that's done from this point forward. Lord Jesus, God, concerning the word of the Lord, God, and the preaching of your word. God, if I can be a vessel, so be it, Lord, here tonight, God, for your purpose and your glory. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. We live this evening in a very privileged, very privileged generation, very privileged, where access to the presence of God has been given to each and every one of us. Everybody sitting under the sound of my voice here tonight has access to the presence of God. The giving up of the ghosts on Mount Calvary years, thousands of years ago that 
caused, as the scripture says, to rip the veil in twain or in two from the top down to the bottom, allowed the access then for mankind to enter into the holiest of holies without being priest, without being prophet, without having the blood of atonement, so to speak, he was now capable because of the ultimate sacrifice of Calvary to enter into the holiest of holies. It wouldn't be then from that point on, it wouldn't be, really have to be, regulated by the time of year that it was for a person to enter in there. It would not have to be a prescribed sacrifice or a prescribed person that it would take in order to enter into that place like it was in the Old Testament. And so as a result, the writer Paul that I believe, which is the writer of the Hebrews, then urges every individual to let us to go boldly into the throne room of grace because now that has been made wide open for every individual. There was a time, though, in the Old Testament, a time that men spoke to God through and by their man of God. You did not hear from God aside from hearing from God through your man of God. That man of God was your mediator. He was your go-between, between the people and God. And that is perhaps one of the reasons why whenever God spoke to Moses, he said, Moses, you are going to be a God to Pharaoh. Because Moses would be in that peculiar place that he would relay all of the dictates of heaven to that pagan king and in turn also beg for mercy of heaven on behalf of that same king. He was the mediator, the go-between between Pharaoh and God. The high priest in the Old Testament would go before the presence of the Lord with the names of the tribes of Israel upon the stones that were etched upon the stones that were placed upon each shoulder and upon the breastplate that they carried upon their garments. They would go in as a priest would function in the presence of the Lord serving the people. Amen. The people there etched upon the stones upon his shoulders. He would bear them, that nation, those people as a burden upon his shoulders before the presence of God. Those stones being etched with the names of the tribes upon his breastplate. That priest, that man of God would enter the presence of God with that nation near and nigh and close to his heart. He would bear them upon his heart as he would go in before the Lord, wishing and hoping and begging to hear from God that he might have a message that he could return unto the people and say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. And they would have anticipation, eager to hear what God was speaking to them because of that man of God that would come out carrying the message unto the people. As a matter of fact, at one time in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were so fearful and so overwhelmed by God's presence that was accompanied there on Mount Sinai. The Bible says it quaked. There was thunder and there was lightnings and there was a plume of smoke that came up from Mount Sinai. They were so fearful and so overwhelmed by what they experienced and what they saw that they spoke to Moses and said, Moses, I tell you what, rather than God coming down and speaking to us directly anymore, we would sure love it if you would just talk to God and tell us what God says because this is scary hearing directly from God this this is scary the quaking and the lightning and the plume of smoke we would rather just hear through the man of God because we're thinking we's going to die 
whenever we seen that smoke and whenever we heard the thunder and the lightning we thought we were going to die so we're okay with just having you speak to us what God would say unto us someone say amen and so we have that in the Old Testament but the New Testament provides us with some privileges the New Testament provides us with that opportunity, Brother Zach, of entering into that holies of holies or beckoning and going into the throne room of God boldly. And although it's given us the privilege, it does not remove the responsibility of a man of God in our life. Though it's given us access, it doesn't remove the responsibility. There are people today in our world, saints for that matter, that even sit in churches that they're claiming to be autonomous or they're claiming to be self-governing. Amen. Have self-governing positions as though they don't need a man of God. They don't need, if you will, someone because they believe then according to New Testament Scripture that they can hear from God for themselves. And they can. They can. And that they can talk to God for themselves. And they can. But yet, I read in the Scripture, even New Testament, that when the Spirit of the Lord spoke in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, and he wanted to address the seven churches through letters. Amen. And he wanted to address those churches in Asia. Amen. With varying degrees of rebuke or varying degrees of praise and adoration. Each letter that I read in my Bible in Revelation, when he's beginning his letter, he says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Pergamos, to the angel of the church of Smyrna. And the angel of the church was the messenger of the church. The angel of the church was the one that was to lead them and that drove them even as a shepherd would lead or drive sheep. It was by implication the pastor of the church whenever God wrote the letter and said to the angel, he is speaking to the pastor, the man of God, if you will, of the church. And so we all today stand here, amen, without doubt we have access to God but God still according to his word has set up a certain chain of command a certain line of authority that brings order to the body because the body needs order we need a man of God we need a man of God Joshua's responsibility in the Old Testament of course was to take conquest of the land of Canaan but that was not his only responsibility. Joshua was also responsible for allotting all of the distinct portions of that land to the individual tribes as recorded in the book that bears his name. And according to God's word, you can read of it in the book of Joshua, that there were Levites that were placed strategically in 48 towns throughout the height and the width and the breadth, if you will, of the land of Canaan. Amen. So that God's spiritual services, amen, through these Levites, these men of God, would be reasonably in reach of every Israelite that dwelt within the land of Canaan. In other words, just shortly said, in other words, God wanted a man of God actively involved in the lives of his people. So he stated 48 towns all throughout the land of promise where there was a Levite, a man of God because he wanted a man of God involved in the lives of his people can someone say amen 
Does not Ephesians 4.11 tell us that and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. These are not so much so men of God who are God's gifts to people as much as they are God's gifts unto the church which so happens to be made up of people. Amen. He gave prophets and he gave evangelists and he gave teachers. He gave pastors. He gave men of God to the church for the purpose of perfecting. Everybody say perfecting. For the purpose of perfecting the saints. It's a fancy word. But if we boil it down, it's just this. For the purpose of equipping the saints. For the purpose of preparing the saints. In other words, there is one aspect of the man of God that has been, is, and forever will be necessary. And it's that aspect of the man of God that we need in our life to equip the saints, to prepare the saints. We have access to God's presence, but even though I have that, I need help from a man of God to equip me and to prepare me. Someone say amen. So here is Josiah, the king that we touched on even a little bit this morning. Josiah was going throughout the land and he was setting in order, as I told you this morning, everything that, that had fell out of order concerning God's word and God's purpose. There were foreign and pagan altars all strewn throughout the countryside. There was worship taking place to false deities. But when they found the word of God, Josiah was ready to put everything back in alignment according to the word of God and what he had spoken. And as he's going through the land and tearing down altars and groves and and altars upon high places and he's dismissing priests of a, of a baser sort. As he's going through the land, the Bible says that he came upon the graveyard because, again, he was digging up graves of pagan priests, taking their remains and burning them upon the altars. He wanted the people to know as a sign that God meant business concerning this thing called idolatry. And so he was burning the remains of priests upon altars. And as he's going through the graveyard, as Josiah's going through the graveyard, he's seen a sepulcher that was marked. He's seen a sepulcher that was labeled. And so here he's digging here and there and bringing up pagan priests. He's burning their bones. But he sees a labeled thing here. He necessarily didn't understand what it was labeled or what it said. So in doing so, when he's seen that title, the Bible basically tells us he asked the locals. What does this title mean? What does this title say? And the Bible says the people that had understanding of the language, the locals of that time said, it is the sepulcher of the man of God that came out of Judah. Someone say amen. We go back just a little bit further in Kings, 1 Kings chapter 13, to see the story or the life of this particular man of God. This man of God that has the title or the marker upon his grave of being the man of God that Josiah is referring to is a man that prophesied during a time when the things that are taking place in Josiah's life was prophesied back then by that man, but it's taken place now in Josiah's life. The man of God that he seen the marker to was the man that spoke of Josiah coming and putting things back in order, back in place where they ought to be and where they should be. He was the man of God that stated the happenings of all these things, 300 years, mind you, 
300 years he named Josiah doing what he was doing before it ever happened and before it ever occurred. That's the man of God that was laying there in the graveyard. That was the man of God that was there entombed and his bones were dug and put and placed there in that sepulcher. Littered among all these other priests, pagan priests of, of false gods and false practices and inappropriate worship. There sat among all of that junk the remains of a man of God. Among all the falsities, among of all the things that oppose God, set the remains of a man of the one true, holy, righteous, almighty, omnipotent God. Someone say amen. Whose voice in his generation bellowed loud and bellowed clear with a message for then, them, them, then, and for generations to come. The man of God of that hour, of 1 Kings 13 had showed up on the scene in deplorable times. He showed up when the king of Israel of the ten tribes, the northern tribes, the king of Israel was doing horrific things. He showed up when King Jeroboam was attempting to make worship convenient and make worship false by saying it would be too far a distance for the children of Israel to go to Jerusalem to worship. It would be too much to expect of them, too much to ask of them. So I'm going to make a graven calf, a golden calf right here at Dan. And I'm going to make another one at Bethel. And that will shorten the distance so people can come and worship God. He was making worship convenient. But since it was an idol, he was also making worship false. It was the man of God that showed up in that hour. It was the man of God that showed up in that circumstance. And he cried out. The Bible says that Jeroboam was standing by the altars that he had created about ready to offer some incense. And the man of God showed up in that hour. And the Bible says the man of God cried out against his altar. He cried out against what he was about ready to do. He spoke of a day when a child would be born and his name would be Josiah. And he would tear down such altars. And he would tear down, amen, such gods. And he would burn the bones of pagan priests upon the altars. He called Jeroboam's hand on it. The Bible says that when you read it in 1 Kings 13, when the man of God spoke against what was going on, Jeroboam put forth his hand and said, lay hands on this man. And whenever he put forth his hand, the Bible says his hand became just as it was, stuck out, withered in that position in place. Could not move it. <laughs> could not move it and seeing he could do nothing about it the Bible says the altar because he gave him a sign he says this you know that my word is true he said the altar is going to break in pieces the ashes are going to fall to the ground it happened after the withering of the hand of Jeroboam and it was upon this that Jeroboam says he said oh man of God can you cry to God for me can you cry to God for me that my withered hand that stuck out here to the right can be restored unto me and so the man of God the man of God speaks to God on behalf of Jeroboam, a wicked person. And God takes a withered hand and restores it again unto him. The man of God. Now look, the man of God did his prophecy. He spoke his word. He was, in essence, preparing the people with the words that were spoken. He was, in essence, equipping them with the words that were spoken. The Bible says that he was going to leave Jeroboam says, Hey, why don't you come down by my house and eat? Well, that's never really good eating with the enemy. But uh, he says, why don't you come by my house and eat? The, the prophet, the man of God, rather says, no, I can't do that. The Spirit of the Lord has told me to take no drink. 
He's told me to take nothing to eat. He's told me to go by out by a different way in which I have come into the city. I cannot do these things. And so while he's traveling along the way, some sons of an old prophet, listen to me, this is a peculiar story. Some sons of an old prophet in Bethel came unto their father, the old prophet, told them everything that the man of God had done. Everything that he had prophesied, everything that he had did, everything that had happened to Jeroboam. And this man goes and finds him. He really deceives him. See, he's an old prophet living in Bethel now where one of the golden images are stuck where people are making their worship convenient. And it took an old good prophet and turned him into a deceiving prophet. Even the dynamics and characterization of who he was has changed. And so he goes meets the man of God, the true man of God. And says, why don't you come to my home? Man of God gives him the same word. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said not to eat anything, not to drink anything. Go out by a different way from which I came. And the old prophet that is being taken in by the practices of his surroundings says, I too am a prophet. He says, and the Lord has spoke to me. Wrongo. The Lord has spoke to me and said, you should come to my house, eat at my table, drink my water, and everything will be well. Well, you know how it is whenever people speak into your life. Nevertheless, he goes to the house, he eats. All of a sudden, how in the world could this happen? We've been studying this. The real spirit of God came on the old prophet, and he spoke the truth to the man of God. He said, you disobeyed the word of the Lord. You shouldn't have come. But he thought, of course, he was deceived into this matter, deceived by the old prophet. He said, you're not going to make it home. Now, I said all that to say this. Look at 1 Kings 13 and verse number 29. The Bible says whenever all this happened, the man of God died, all right? The man of God died before he ever made it home. The prophet, the one who did the lying, the one who said, thus saith the Lord, and it wasn't thus saith the Lord. The prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back and the old prophet came to the city to mourn and bury him look at verse 30 and he laid his carcass that's the carcass of the man of God in his own grave and he mourned over him saying alas my brother verse 31 and it came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his sons this is the old prophet false prophet <laughs> Mind you, mostly he's been in, influenced by his environment. He spake it to his son saying, when I am dead, he said, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried and lay my bones beside his bones for the same which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying the old prophet that had stepped outside of his true role said, you know what? He said, I'm laying the man of God because this is a true man of God. His words are going to come to pass just as he spoke. I've been a deceiver to him, but he's a true man of God. He says, I'm going to put him in my own grave. And evidently, he must have placed a marker there because Josiah seen it in his day. What does this mean? What does this say? He evidently put a marker there that that was the man of God. 
And he says, this is going to be the place, boys. You see it and mark it well. This is going to be the place that this old man of yours, whenever he dies, whenever this defiled old prophet dies and wants to be laid to rest, I want you to place my bones beside the bones of the man of God. Why? Because the saying that came from that man is true and it's going to come to pass. What are you saying? Because he knew that the day was going to come, that Josiah was going to find everything that was false every prophet that was false every pagan prophet and he was going to dig up their bones and burn them on the altar but the old prophet says if I can though be laid in a grave with the man of God and there be a label put upon it this is where the man of God lays then I'm hoping when that day comes I'll be protected because there was a man of God he was looking even in death and in the afterlife when Josiah would come, protection and safety that would be granted by being alongside the man of God. Someone say amen. Because the Bible says whenever Josiah showed up in that hour, he said, who is this? It's the man of God. He didn't get the shovel. He didn't get the digging instruments. He said, just let it alone. That's what he said. He said, just let him alone and let no man move his bones. But since the man of God was let alone, that meant the old prophet's bones was let alone. It was only because he had a man of God in his life that he was. Someone say amen, that he was spared. Negative things happen in the absence of a man of God. Amen. For instance, when the man of God of 1 Kings 13 was laid to rest, the Bible tells us of the response or the continuance of Jeroboam that he prophesied against in verse 33. The Bible says, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. And the Bible says he made again the lowest of the prophets or the lowest of the people, priest of the high places. In other words, Jeroboam had no regard for their birth, their character, amen, concerning being men of God. But he chose the lowest to represent what should be the highest in his life because there was an absence of a man of God. As a matter of fact, 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse number 5 in the Message Bible tells us this, and this isn't the only place. It says he, speaking of Uzziah, was well trained by his pastor, this is the Message Bible, and teacher Zechariah to live in reverent obedience before God. And for as long as Zechariah lived, Uzziah lived a godly life and God prospered him. You know what that says? As long as his man of God was alive. As long as his man of God was alive, he was obedient and reverent unto the Lord. But when that man of God died, Uzziah lived as he desired to live. Same concept is told in the 24th chapter of 2 Chronicles. It speaks of a king by the name of Joe Ash and his priest Jehoiada. The Bible basically tells us again, it is repetitive, that Joe Ash did what pleased God throughout his lifetime. Walked before the Lord during his lifetime and the lifetime of Jehoiada. But whenever his priest, when his man of God died, everything Fell apart. 
Because there's some negative things that happen when you don't have a man of God in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, New Testament scripture, we have access now. We can boldly go in. But it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. You say, what? I need a man of... Yes, you need a man of God. You have access to God's presence. You might get visions and dreams and speak in tongues 23 out of the 24 hours of the day. But you need a man of God. You need somebody to watch for your soul, equip your soul, prepare your soul. You need somebody in your life to somehow give direction, instruction, correction. You need a man of God. And there's safety in having one. Safety. Amen. Prior to Israel meeting with God at that mount called Sinai that smoked and quaked and thundered and lightning, prior to all that, you know what they had? Moses. That instructed them three days. Before it ever happened, children of Israel, prepare yourselves to meet with the presence of God. <laughs> Wash your garments. I'm just saying in layman's terms. Make sure all the wrinkles are out of your robe. Get the dust off your sandals. Prepare yourself. Get ready to meet the, the, the presence of God. And so for two days, Israel is being diligent about cleaning their robes and, and making sure everything is proper and preparing themselves because on the third day, God was going to come down on that mount and make his presence known unto them. And so they meet with God on that third day and they meet by and large under good terms. Why? Because they had followed the preparation. They had followed the preparations of their man of God. Huh? They stood there that day ready for his presence because three days prior, someone said, you better get ready. Someone say amen. Oh, let's go through the Bible stories of the children. Let's, let's go to a fiery furnace. Let's go to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's, let's look at how successful they were that whenever the instruments and the sack button, all those things were played the second time and even the first time that they did not bow knee or bow head to the false image that was there before them. Amen. In the absence, might I say, of their past. They're not bowing knee and they're not bowing head. And they were successful in that endeavor. And we're thinking, see there, Brother McGee, that's great. You can get along without a man of God. They didn't bow knee. They didn't bow head. They were tempted to false idolatry at that moment in time. But they held true. And yes, that's very notable. And yes, Daniel was nowhere to be found. He was not even around. Someone say amen. And I believe it's important for you to know what to do whenever I'm not around and for you to be successful in your temptations, in your endeavors when there's not a man of God on the workplace or a man of God in your home. But can I tell you tonight that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were successful because when they were first taken into captivity, the Bible says Daniel, as a spokesperson and as a leader, as they were trying to give them the king's meat, the Bible said he purposed in his heart that he would not be taken by the 
the king's meat. And all three of those boys witnessed that. And she, they had a man of God that prepared them for the moment whenever they were to bow. They knew what to do because they seen how Daniel. How he responded when he was in the Babylonian land with all the falsities. He purposed not to be ensnared by the king's meat. And the preparation of that hour became the practice of the children, Hebrew boys, in the moment when they needed it the most. The preparation became their practice. Thank God. I know this may seem odd. Me preaching a man of God. I'm the man of God. But this is just the way it is. Thank God for a man of God. See, there are some things that God doesn't accomplish. Listen to me. Or chooses not to accomplish. Independent of his temple. And independent of his priest. What I'm saying, telling you is this. In the word, and I'll look at it just here real quickly. He could have done it without each. But he chose to do it with both. He could have done it without the temple. Could have done it without the priest. But he wanted in this episode, and I'll share with you what it is. He wanted these people to go to the temple and have the priest involved. Could have done it without it, but he involves them. Why? To underscore the significance of both the temple and the priest. The Bible says there were in Luke chapter 17... Ten lepers. They are seeking cleansing of their leprosy. Jesus says unto them, Go, shew yourself unto the priest which resides at the temple. He could have cleansed them, Sister Sheila, without the trip to the temple. He could have cleansed them without seeing the priest. But he wants them to go to the temple and go to the priest because God wanted even that generation to know you might have access to me but there's some things I will not do outside of the authority of the church and your man of God in your life. He said you go show yourself and you offer the gift that Moses had spoken of for your cleansing. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 17 as they, as the ten lepers it says as they went they were cleansed. In other words it wasn't just based upon the conversation they had with him but whenever they chose by obedience to God to involve the temple in their life and involve the priest in their life cleansing came upon their body because God's trying to underscore the importance of your church house and your man of God. Some things don't happen independent of them because that's just the way that God has constructed it. Amen. In going to the temple, in going to the priest, they're cleansed. 
God says, that's just the way I'm doing it. I could have done it without them. But I want you to know that there's some things that I'm going to do with them involved in your life. Someone say amen. There's just some things that God wants to include your church and your man of God in. You could sit at home, watch 24 hours, amen, of the church stations on your television. But that by no means replaces sometimes what you need concerning the church house of God and this body of believers setting before you to be involved in your life for some things to take place you can listen to all the different voices of religiosity in the world but sometimes you need to look in the brown eyes of this 6'2 preacher weighing 186 pounds and hear what thus saith the Lord from 1121 Cedar Street what God has spoke to me for this body and this people every thumb joint leg no we need a man we need a man of God. I've been in conferences and I've heard other men of God speak and that's been great and tremendous what has happened in my life. But there's been times I didn't get it at a camp meeting. I didn't get it at a conference. But I nestled down in the pew in Kingsburg and I heard the man of God preach and it spoke something in my spirit that no conference, camp meeting could. Why? Because that was my man of God. Someone say amen. You can hear from God anywhere. You can feel God anywhere. You can get your healing at home. But none of those things lessen the importance of your church and your man of God in your life. God placed and put their placement in the body for the benefit of the body. Someone say amen. And I'm closing. Brother Macy can come. I told you I won't hold you alone. See, I'm kind. It took about an hour this morning. You know my saying off times around here. If I take it too much one place, I'll give it back somewhere else. I don't know if anybody's been keeping tally if I'm in positive or negative right now. But. So when Josiah's doing all this, and he's allowing them, this is the man of God. There is pollution all in the land. He's trying to bring all things back in order. He's saying, I'm not digging this grave up. This is the man of God. You just leave him be. Leave him his remains alone. Leave him right there. So I don't know, I don't know exactly, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a picture or, or words that's coming from the mind of Josiah. But I'm wondering, Josiah is considering, if I can keep him just the remains of the man of God right here, and that, that, that label and that entitlement can be over top this grave, among others that I have exhumed and dug up, he can be among here. If there's ever a day that the children of Israel begin to slide backwards, begin to transgress, and they got their son or daughter tucked in their arm. And they're headed over to the altar of Melech to offer him there. There's every day that they go back to some of these pernicious ways. And they're carrying sacrifices to pagan altars. If they ever go by this cemetery. And in the process of walking. Seize the entitlement over that sepulcher. And seize the man of God. I wonder if he'll strike anything in their spirit. To know that a true man of God 
lies right there. I wonder if that will do anything for the outcome of what they're about ready to practice and to do if they know the man of God is right there. Because it was spoke even in Josiah's day. And you can stand with me. It was spoke even in Josiah's day. So Josiah, whenever his day was said and done and his time upon the earth was finished, you know what was going to happen? The same old story of the children of Israel was going to happen. They were going to go once again and embrace the evil days soon after the death of Josiah. Soon after Josiah dies, that king dies, they're going to once again embrace their evil ways. So I don't know what forethought Josiah did this, but he says you just leave him right there. Don't do anything with him. I want, it, I want his marker to be a testament. I want his marker to be a witness. I want his marker to be a voice. It's kind of like, you know, the Bible speaks of Abel. He was dead, but he yet speaketh. That's what the Bible says concerning Abel in the book of Hebrews. He was dead, but yet speaketh. Because whenever you die, your voice doesn't die. What he's saying, I wonder when people walk by and see the man of God, if the voice of his prophecies of years gone by that had come to pass, I wonder if they could just somehow shake the heavens one more time as people do in their evil and pernicious ways, and they look at that and say, wait a minute. There's a, there's a man of God. We, we don't need to be embracing these things. No, we need to embrace what the true men of God in our lives have laid out because they're the ones that's truly equipped us. They're the ones that has prepared us. And for the old prophet... They're the ones that provide the protection for us. What have they been doing? Oh, they, they sometimes come across mean. <laughs> they sometimes come across mean. They sometimes come across cross. They sometimes say some things to me that I don't necessarily like. But the end result is this. They are watching for your soul. They're watching for yourself. I guarantee you tonight, Sister Brenda Wendell, everything I say up here is not going to just make you glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I guarantee you every private conversation we have with one another. It's not always going to be tiptoeing through the tulips. But know this. Whenever those times may arrive or come, I do it with one purpose in mind, Sister Margaret. I'm trying to watch for your so that doesn't mean I just divorce myself from the man of God I hear from God just as much as he can well, I got a prayer life too buddy God speaks to me that is the case that is the case and I want God to speak to you I want God to you have some glorious times of intermingling with the Lord but I will tell you this, according to the structure of Scripture, if he's going to speak to you, he'll confirm it with me. Because you're something great? No. It just comes with the territory of the position. Slide any other name or any other personality within the position. It just comes with the position. God would remove me from the role of pastor to become a saint in this church and not a pastor. Whoever assumed the pastoral role, I would be subjected to that role just the same as you are to this role now. It's about the role. It's not about the person or personality. It's about the man of God role. There's protection in your man of God. 
there's preparation and equipping for your life in your man of God. You got to view it like that. Sometimes it's hard to get past this flesh and blood. It is. It's hard to get past this flesh and blood. That's Brother Paul. For some, that's little Paul. For some, that's little, that's a little snot kid. Used to run around here whenever his dad used to pass the church. Huh? For some, well, that's my brother. That's my cousin. It's hard to get past the flesh and blood. But look past the titles of whatever our relationship may be in the natural life and look at the title that heaven has bestowed upon me, and that is man of God. I'm here for your protection. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to prepare you. And we need a man of God in our life. Bury me with him. Put me with him. Why? Because I know I'll be safeguarded if I could just get, just lay me alongside the remains of the man of God. Can we bow our heads all across this place? We need a man of God in our life. I want God to speak to you for sure. I want God to speak to you, ma'am. I want to you I want you to have times in your prayer closet that goes into the third heavens like the Apostle Paul. I want all of that. I want that for you. I want God to speak to you through dreams and visions. And I want God to instruct you to do things and for you to be obedient to his instruction. But in all of that, I want you to understand God is also just as divinely as the dream that you receive and divinely as the vision you get you get. God has divinely place this man up here called the man of God in your life with purpose and with intent and again I am not this is not me please understand the spirit I'm saying it this is not me braggadocious it's not me being boastful but you need me in your life if you attend this church you need me in your life these altars are open tonight would someone just just recommit tonight to the Lord? God, I'm thankful for every time you showed up in my prayer closet. I'm thankful, Lord God, for, for impressions I've had, Lord, during my three and five days of fasting. I'm grateful for all of those things. But, God, I realize and I know and I'm just reaffirming tonight that there's some things, God, that you do that you intentionally, you intentionally, God, use and you intentionally, God, mean to implement your church and your man of God in order to see it to take place in my life. You intentionally involve them for my good you intentionally involve them for my purpose you're underscoring the significance and you're underscoring the purpose you need a man of God tonight please don't go try to go out on your own please try not to be self-governing and believe you all got it all together with a bag of fries please just come to the Lord say God I need your church I need the people in the church and I need my man of God Lord there's some things that can't take place absent them and so I'm asking God help me Lord to keep their involvement in my life there's some equipping there's some preparing there's some protection by virtue of these things let's sing right now to the Lord these altars are filled and that's tremendous amen God moving upon our hearts lay me right here listen real quickly listen if you're ever worried about me well if he's keeping everybody else in check who's going to keep him in check according to God's word well, I got a bishop in my life, but according to God's word, God will do it. I'm serious. Everybody was trying to convince David to take care of Saul. He's in the cave. He's right there. He's right there, David. Why don't you just take your instrument and just do away with him? He's seeking after your life. He's doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. 
know what David did? He just trimmed off the hem of his garment and says, looky here, I could have done it, but I didn't. And you know what Saul said? He said, you're more honorable than I did. You know, at the end of the day, the reason why David got in the position he did, not because David took care of his higher authority, but God took care of David's higher authority and made a way for David. So don't worry about me saying, well, he's going to get by with bloody murder. He's going to put holes in the drywall. From this morning, those are here. No, God's going to take care of me. But he's put me in a place in this hierarchy of his government and kingdom that I'm trying to help you. And if you think I don't got what's coming to me, leave that to God. Let me tell you, God will take care of it. Say, well, it looks like he's getting by with a lot. You know what? That's what everybody thought concerning Aaron as well. You hearing me? He was there along with Miriam whenever, you know, they spoke against Moses. Miriam's taken with leprosy and there's Aaron, seemingly unscathed. But the Bible says there came a point in time God had Aaron taken up to the top of the mount, Mount Hur, I believe it was. And the Bible says he had them strip him of garments. And the moment he did, boom, he died. What? God had not missed a thing. He was a high priest. Yeah, but God hadn't missed a thing. God will take care of the man of God if you allow the man of God to take care of the people of God. Let's talk to the Lord right now. I love him. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.